This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, good morning, everyone. You doing good? Say good morning to the person beside you. Will you do that? Say good morning. Glad that you're here. Yeah. So thanks for coming. How many, though, be honest, you, you feel like you overate this the last few days? Anybody? Nobody? Some? Okay, I got, I got good news for you, though. Here's what they say. It's not what you eat between Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's what you eat between Christmas and Thanksgiving. <laughs> Does that bring you hope? Is that good news? Okay, so, well, anyway, first Sunday of Advent. Thank you. Thank you for, for coming. I've so looked forward to, to this day when we begin to talk about the Christmas story in a way I think that, is it, it, that I pray will impact your life, is, has impacted my life. When we talk about Advent, of course, you know, we're looking back uh, to the one who has come, Jesus. But while we're looking back, we're also looking forward to his second coming. Yes? We thank him because he has come. And he will come. Biblical hope for the believer is based on a person. His name is Jesus, nothing else. And we'll say that again. The hope that we have as followers of Jesus is not based on human wisdom or knowledge or that what we can figure out or even the person you voted for. Because if you place your hope in some person that you voted for, I would just boldly say your hope is misplaced. Yes, our hope is in the one who has come and the one who is coming. His name is Jesus. That's biblical hope for the believer. So we celebrate Advent looking back and Advent looking forward. And during this series, we're going to be focusing on the passage of the Gospel of of Luke on the Magnificat or what's more commonly known as Mary's song. Now, I know you've been up and down like already, Tim. I'm going to ask you, could you just stand like one more time? Would Would that be okay? Um, I want to read out of God's Word, Luke chapter 1. We're going to read Mary's song. I'm going to read it. You can join in. It's coming up on the screen as well. Beginning with verse number 46 through verse 55. My soul, this is Mary's response, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and his name, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So Father, I would pray that your word would impact each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Thanks. You can grab a seat. Um, The Latin translation of the response of Mary begins with the word magnificat, which simply means like to magnify or to exalt or to glorify. So we have different versions of of the Bible. I know that we're reading. Um, so if you, if you read from the NASB, it just says, my soul exalts the Lord. If you're an NIV reader, that's the version you have. My soul glorifies the Lord. All means the same. Um, King James Version, because some of us <clears throat> read the King James, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And then the ESV version, the one that I read um, and study from, my soul magnifies 
the Lord. It's the response of Mary. And so the right question I think that's before us today is like, what, why, why did she respond this way? What, what evoked this response, um, this, this poetic um, um, uh, response of, of Mary? Did she sing it? No, we don't really know. That's called Mary's song. What's the context or what's the backstory of this beautiful response by this poor young girl who will be the mother of the Messiah? There's something going on here. And I, th- I think it's more than a visit to a relative. We'll talk about that in, in just a, a moment. I mean, how, how many of you um, during the Thanksgiving holidays broke out in song when your guest arrived? How many of you broke out in song when your guests left? Raise your hand, yeah? <laughs> it's just like, God, I'm so thankful for this. You know, and a song just came to your heart. But, so what's, what's behind the song here? Context is everything. So let me, let me try and illustrate why it's important. So um, I have a kind of a pretty strict routine on Sundays, um, you know, from getting up. And then when I get home, so it's pretty rigid and we've just done it for years. But last, last Sunday, I broke the routine. I did. Um, so Jen, this is my wife, so she was in the first service. I asked her permission to share this story. I actually asked, asked it when I was about to tell the story because I didn't get permission beforehand. So it just works better if I ask her. Anyway, all right. So because Jen, um, Jen starts talking about putting up the Christmas tree around the first of November. She starts laying these hints, you know. No, don't even clap. Who clapped? Don't. <laughs> Around the first, she goes, when? You think we might? It always starts with, like, getting the stuff out of storage. You know, that's where it starts. Okay, so anyway, um, so she started doing that. And we had kind of agreed that we would get through the Thanksgiving holidays, and then, you know, then we could do it, right, put Christmas up. But last week, I came home, and I sat down, and the first thing I said was this, we're putting Christmas decorations up today. You can clap. You can clap. She goes, no, 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 honey. We don't have to do that. I go, no, I, we, we're going to do that. So um, um, we spent um, until about 7 p.m. putting up Christmas decorations. So I put it in, into our windows, each window, um, Advent um, candle lights, you know, each window. That's pretty cool. And uh, put some other stuff up. And then um, with brand new lights, I put up four Christmas trees in our house. Thank you very much for Christmas trees. And uh, um, it, yeah, so that's, that's how we decorate. Now, here's the deal. You, if you've not been to my house, you might think, gosh, how big a house do you have? Four Christmas trees? Seriously? Four Christmas trees? Yeah, four, we have four Christmas trees up. But here's, here's the reality. Here's the story. Here's the backstory. Here's the context. If you've been to our home, you know we live in a very small house. And so the downstairs is, is about 800 square feet. That's it. Um, and then we have our uh, couple bedrooms upstairs. And the, this place that the Christmas trees occupy total is about 500 square feet. That's it. And that's, that's it right there for Christmas trees. But there's more to the story because we have one regular-sized Christmas tree, and then we have three pencil Christmas trees. You can put a pencil Christmas tree in your bathroom and you don't even know it's there, right? So 
So now, right, it, it makes sense. You'll go, oh, now I get it. Now it, it makes sense. Well, that's why we have to look at the backstory in the context, because if we don't, some things can, can be missed. The context helps to fill in some of the gaps. So I want to fill in some of the gaps, maybe the backstory of what's going on before we dive into Mary's song and where I think it really, really applies to us and what we're going to be talking about over the next number of weeks. I would offer to you today, I'm going to present to you what I, what I would just consider three scenes. So if you're going to write a movie, write a story, I'm just going to suggest there are three scenes. And scene number one is kind of the backstory, which begins in the Old Testament, this time frame that we call, that are called and referred to as 400 silent years. Now you will not find 400 silent years in, in your Bible. You won't find that, that phrase at all, but it's a time period between the Old Testament and the New Testament when, when God does not speak through his prophets at all. Therefore, 400 silent years. God was silent. Um, Malachi, the last of the Old Testament prophets, writes this in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. So here's scene number one, right? <clears throat> Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, what we're going to see in just a moment is how the Old Testament is linked to the New Testament through this prophetic word right here. There were a number of prophecies fulfilled <clears throat> between this time and the coming of the Messiah. But it's been, it's been correctly stated, I, I think, that these years blinded a nation where most of the Jews, they couldn't even consider the idea or concept of a humble Messiah um, who would come, born of a young, poor virgin in a humble setting like a stable that we know that's the Christmas story. Christmas story. That's what's going on. So that's kind of scene one. So we got these 400 silent years with Malachi, the prophecy of Malachi that I'll send you Elijah the prophet. Scene number two, Luke one opens with key events that lead up to Mary's song or the Magnificat, what we just, we just read. John the Baptist um, and this miraculous birth to a couple advanced in years. So here's what we read. They're, they're old. Uh, Elizabeth is barren, um, Mary's cousin. The angel visited Zechariah and informed him that his wife would bear a son, and you're going to call his name John. Let me just read it to you from Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse number 11. And, and there appeared to him, Zechariah, an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Now, let's stop right here for a second, because I just have to admit that sometimes my mind kind of goes like, okay, so I wonder if your wife knows that you're praying for a baby. <laughs> Does that thought ever occur to you? Okay. Do not be afraid, because your prayer has been heard, and your wife will bear a son. You're going to call him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn, uh, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Now, listen to this. And he will go before him in the spirit 
in the power of Elijah. Now we see this prophetic word in Malachi and the New Testament linked together. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This son, John, would turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. That's what we read in Malachi. Luke chapter 1, verse 17 again. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to do what? Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So we have the 400 silent years. We have um, the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. And now we move to kind of this, this third scene, Mary, where the birth of Jesus is foretold. And here's what happens. You, you read the Christmas story, don't you? The angel Gabriel is sent to a virgin named Mary. And after greeting, here's what he says. Like, don't be afraid, Mary, um, for you have found favor with God. The angel goes on to say that she will conceive in her womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And Mary asked the obvious question that you would ask and I would ask in that situation, like, how will this happen? How's this going to happen? Luke chapter 1, verses 35 through 38, and the angel answered her, this is how. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. Sidebar, first incident of spilling the tea in the Bible. Okay, but never mind, never mind. Okay, here's, so here's... Um, uh, more on that in just a moment. Okay, so anyway, the angel tells Mary, right, that uh, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So you're getting this story, right? So Elizabeth is, is elderly. She's barren. And then the angel says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Even that over here that seemed impossible is not impossible, nor is it impossible what you are about to experience. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And what does Mary decide to do then? She decides to go to her cousin, which I would just suggest to you as the first reveal party ever known to mankind, right? So she's on her way to Elizabeth's house. And, and, uh, Luke chapter 1, next few verses kind of record this meeting right before Mary's song that we just read. Um, and the meeting when she arrives and she greets uh, Elizabeth, her baby, right, whose name is? Everybody say John, John. Leapt in her womb, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaims, Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. To which Mary responds, I already knew you were pregnant because the angel told me. So there you go right there. And then she responds with Mary's song, what we call Mary's song. I just read it to you just a few moments ago, the Magnificat or her song. It was her response, this poetic re response. Mary's song draws our attention to kind of some key areas that we're going we're to kind of unpack a little bit 
in, in this series. Here they are, number one. So number one, um, the Almighty One. We're going to talk about that. What does it mean um, when Mary references the Almighty One? What's it mean to you and me today? So we'll talk about that in just a moment. We're going to talk about the Holy One um, next week. And then we're going to talk about the merciful one. You see it all there. And then finally, we're going to talk about the arm of the Lord and then the culmination of what we have just read and what we've heard about. But I want to draw your attention this morning to the Almighty One. And Mary references the Almighty One in the 48th verse of chapter 1. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is what? Everybody say mighty. mighty. He who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. The one who is mighty, the almighty one has done great things. Mary recognized that this thing that had happened could only happen at the hand of of a mighty God, and by the one that the angel declared, nothing is impossible with God. It couldn't happen in any other way. It had to happen at the mighty hand of God. I often reflect on this thought, and maybe you do too, um, and it's, it's quite a, re actually, it's, it's quite a uh, regular reflection on, on my part, that this same God that sent the angel Gabriel with this message, who sent his son into the world, our hope, this same God, is the same God that interacts with you and me daily. Do we know that? Do we live in that reality? The same God whose hand moved in Mary's life and in Elizabeth, nothing, where nothing's impossible, the same God interacts with you and me daily. The mighty hand of God would rest on Mary and her cousin Elizabeth, and do the impossible. Like man would say, that can't happen. That's impossible. Mary's old, or, or, or Elizabeth is old. Elizabeth is barren. Mary's a virgin. That can't happen. But nothing is impossible with God, the Almighty One. I love what Dr. Kaminsky said. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, she spent the Saturday with us and then, and then Sunday. A number of times she said this, and I remembered it, that God specializes in doing things thought impossible through seemingly unlikely people. That's you and me. We are reminded that God works, she said, in supernatural ways, remarkable ways, as a reminder that he is still at work. So I want to ask you this question. Do you see the hand of a mighty God still at work today? In the world, and more importantly, in your life each and every day. He is mighty, he is powerful, and the word is, is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. The attribute of omnipotence refers to God's unconditional power to do what he wills in accordance with his nature. There is no created power that can compete with God. And I'll say that again because it's important. There is no created power that can compete with God. His power stands over all and can be seen in creation and the power of his resurrection. 
There is no person, there is no man, there is no created power that can compete with God. God does as he wills. He is an all-powerful God. There is only one Almighty One, and nothing or no one can interfere with His purposes. So I want to ask you a question um, today. Maybe, maybe two questions. What are you worried about today? What's consuming your mind? What's consuming your thoughts? What does it feel like? You know, what feeling do you have like things are just like out of control? I don't know what to do. What is consuming your mind today? Or are you, are you one who feels like all hope is gone for the world today? Does it seem impossible, the situation that, that you might be in today? There's only one almighty one and nothing or no one can interfere with his purposes for your life. Job chapter 42 Verse 2, let me share some scripture with you. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I know you can do all things, God. You do the impossible. It might look impossible to me, but it's not impossible to you. You can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's comfort. That's peace. Psalm 33, verse 9. But he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. Psalm 135, verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. The Almighty One. Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? As you're sitting there, whether online or here, what is it you might ask this question to? Is this too hard for you, God? Because the answer is absolutely not. No. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you please. He is the almighty one, the all-powerful one that we serve today, that we are in relationship with. And so I want to share with you just two things to take with you today. Um, when we talk about the Almighty One, and number one, the Almighty One, and their, their, their declarations stands with me. So I want you to say that with me, okay? The Almighty One with me. What does that mean? The Almighty One stands with me. The Almighty One stands with me. Kind of picture this in your mind for just a second. If you're a, if you're a parent, have you ever had this experience where um, you're standing and your young child grabs a hold of your leg because he or she is maybe afraid of something that's going on or they come running to you. That's kind of the picture that comes to my, my mind that the Almighty One stands with me and I can hang on. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 28. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We may feel weak. Where do you feel weak? He helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. See, sometimes we view the Spirit as some ghost-like object out there. You know, we, this, do you know that the Spirit lives in you? The Spirit lives in you. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, 
And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. I need to remind myself of this often, that the Almighty One stands with me and he stands with you in my weakness. And during those times, and they do come like when I don't know how to pray, and I have prayed this before. I said, God, like, I don't know what to say right now. I don't know what to pray. I don't even know how to pray right now for this situation or circumstance. Have you been there? It's during that time in your life and during that time in my life when we can declare that the, that the Almighty One stands with me and the Spirit intercedes on my behalf. The Lord Jesus continually, His Spirit intercedes for believers in God's presence and the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. We sometimes are ignorant on how to pray. I mean, at least I am. Or how to even voice the request, but the Spirit voices my request for them. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. He always lives to make intercession for them. Even during those times, when life gets so fuzzy, you know, when it's like not even knowing how to respond, the Almighty One stands with me. His Spirit intercedes on my behalf, and that is true of you as well. So let's say it again. The Almighty One stands with me. The Almighty One stands with me. Secondly is right here. The Almighty One is for me. The Almighty One stands with me, and the Almighty One is for me. Have you ever thought of it that way? The Almighty One is, is, is for me. He stands with me. He's for me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Say it with me. The whole, whoa, we, let's go back one slide. Sorry about that. There we go. Say it with me. Will you, the Almighty One? Yeah, is for me. The Almighty One stands with me, and the Almighty One is for me. It's easier to say, like when we're gathered here, isn't it, I think? Probably we're in church, right? Maybe easier to say. Well, how about tomorrow? When you kind of head out the door, and you're in a really tough spot. Or maybe, maybe it's a family situation, or maybe it's like a workplace, or maybe it's something you're trying to figure out. How about then? He's the same. The Almighty One stands with me tomorrow, and the Almighty One is for me. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power, His divine power has granted to us, to you and to me, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. He has given you everything, and He has given me everything, His divine power that pertains to life and godliness. He stands with me, and He is for me. Now, understand when Peter wrote that, he's about to die. And so what we read here, kind of like his final words, it's kind of like, just remember this. Remember this. 
His divine power, let's give you everything that you need. Everything that you need in all of life. The Almighty One that Mary refers to, the Mighty One, is for me and He stands with me. So I want to ask you before we, we, we wrap up here and pray. What situation or what circumstance in your life right now do you need to make that declaration? God, you're for me. I am not alone. You stand with me and you are for me. What is it that you might be facing? Maybe it's just like loneliness. Maybe you feel really, really lonely during these times when you know families are gathering everywhere. And you just need to be reminded you, you are not alone. Like the mighty one stands with you and he is for you. John Piper in his Advent devotional called The Donnie of Indestructible Joy shares this. Trust him to be the supplier, the strengthener, the counselor, the guide, the savior, and be satisfied with that. With all that God has, with all that God is for us in Jesus, that's what faith is. And having that is what it means to be a Christian. Christmas means the infinitely self-sufficient God, the Almighty One, has come not to be assisted, but to be enjoyed. I love that. Because when I think, how do we enjoy the Almighty One? Here's how I think we do. We enter into a time of peace. Right? We are never alone. He's with me. And he stands with me, regardless of where we might be today. And that's a good news story, by the way, that you and I go out and share with the world today. That he has come, and he's coming again. That's the story of Advent. Let's stand together, shall we? <clears throat> I'm going to pray. And uh, I'd like for you just to kind of maybe... Um, Maybe you declare these two points. Maybe like, God, I know that you're for me. I know that you stand with me. Maybe that's what you're going to declare over your situation or circumstance today. Or that's the message that you're going to take out to the people that you're connected with. That's the gospel story. He's come. He's done what no one could do. And because of that, we enter into this time of peace. And we enter into this time of satisfaction in who Jesus is. So, Father, I just would, would pray um, that whatever situation or circumstance we might, might find us, ourselves in, God, we would just be filled with the knowledge that you're for me. You never leave me. You're for me and you stand with me. I might feel like I'm standing alone, but I'm not. You're right there. You're the mighty one who is in all and is over all. You are for us. And thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to sing, He is for me. It's a, it's a proclamation, right, Jason? It's a proclamation. He is for me. God, you are. Let's sing it and declare it today.
Face to 